Good morning. It's good to see you all gathered together here, whether you be um, listening through the transmitter or gathered together in the worship house this morning. It's good to see you all. It's been a blessing already to have engaged in worship with you. I'd like you to turn with me this morning to Proverbs, the ninth chapter. We'll consider one ver- the first verse of Proverbs, the ninth chapter. As um, you're turning there, we'll add a little bit of context on the verse that we're about to discuss. In Scripture, the number seven plays a very interesting role. We see God created the earth in six days, and on the seventh day, He rested. Now, as you've all heard before, this question is often asked, did God rest because He was tired? No, He was not tired. He rested because He was finished. I'm thankful God only rests when He's finished. You know, I wish... I was the type of person who only rested when I had finished a project. I would get much accomplished. If I could rest when I finished a school project or rest when I finished another type of work, I would be a very efficient person. And God's that way. He doesn't rest until He's finished. And when we read in Scripture about the number seven, it's often used as the number of completion. And we read about the number seven in Proverbs, the ninth chapter in the first verse, a very short verse. Wisdom hath builded her house. She hath hewn out her seven pillars. Now, wisdom in Proverbs is personified as a beautiful woman. You'll read a summary of sort of what wisdom is in Proverbs, the 31st chapter. Now, we often treat that chapter, specifically verses 10 through 30, as a chapter which tells us the characteristics of a virtuous woman. And that's very true. That chapter is correctly applied in that way. But what that chapter also does is it tells us a lot about wisdom. It it says in the 10th verse, Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. So that tells us that wisdom is a very precious thing. Wisdom is personified as a woman. Now a ruby is much more valuable. Many kinds of rubies are much more valuable than diamonds. And the reason for that is it takes a very specific set of events and elements and types of molecules in order to form a ruby. Diamonds are much more common. So when we hear the phrase that a virtuous woman, either just a virtuous woman in general or wisdom, is more precious than rubies, that tells us that wisdom is to be desired above the most precious element in this world. Ruby is one of the most precious elements that we have because it's so rare. And so when we read about this, wisdom hath built her house. Picture someone constructing a house. Some of you know a lot more about constructing houses than I have, but I did have the opportunity to build an incomplete log cabin in my backyard, and I learned that building a house, and my house is just 12 feet by 16 feet. It's probably smaller than your bedroom. But I learned that building a house is very hard. And here we have a picture of a woman building her house. She hath hewn out her seven pillars. Now, these seven pillars are not just randomly placed in the book of Proverbs. The seven pillars idea is a technique of construction that is spanned all the way from the time of Solomon up to the period of Gothic architecture. You might think cathedral era, when we see the beautiful cathedrals overseas. And that principle of the seven pillars was a principle by which people constructed buildings. And they, they evaluated buildings according to the seven lamps of architecture, the seven pillars of architecture. And when we look at buildings, we can still evaluate those buildings by those seven points. 
if you think about it, the seven points were sacrifice, that is a building constructed to honor a higher deity, whether that be the God, whether that be God or whether that be another false God, that would be a building constructed to honor that deity. It would be a building constructed in the name of truth. There's a monument in Michigan called the Sojourner of Truth, I believe, and that is a monument dedicated to truth. There's, we have buildings dedicated to power. You might think a massive castle that was just an um, example of how powerful a lord was in his area. He had that massive castle. We have buildings dedicated to beauty. We have buildings dedicated to life and memory. Think about some of the war monuments we have. The U.S. Marine Corps Monument, which shows... Um, the men raising the flag, men raising the American flag. I encourage you to go look in the history behind that. That is a monument dedicated to the life and memory of men who sacrificed their lives for the freedom of our country. We have monuments to obedience. What about the um, tabernacle that the Israelites constructed in the desert? That was a monument that they constructed in obedience to the commands of the Lord. So when we read this verse, wisdom hath builded her house. She hath hewn out her seven pillars. We can understand that this is an architectural principle. This is a principle that you would use while building a house. And as we step back and look at the house that wisdom has constructed, we can see elements of all the seven pillars ascribed throughout it. Now, there's other applications of the seven pillars, and I will not disagree with you if otherwise, but I think it's interesting that as people have studied architecture and buildings and construction and the way people built these massive constructions by hand, think how long it would take to construct some of the buildings that we see around the world by hand. They had in mind these seven elements that they needed to include as part of their construction. From the time of Solomon all the way up to the 13th, 14th century. Now let's examine some of these because I submit to you this morning that in order to understand wisdom, a good place to start is by understanding these elements that people would have used to construct a building. Because we see wisdom constructing a building and she does it doing seven things. Now the first element that we see is is sacrifice. Now, we don't tend to think of sacrifice as a very prominent principle in our day, but in reality, sacrifice is a very important thing that we have to, under, that we have to understand. Turn with me to Proverbs, the 15th chapter and the 8th verse. And I'll tell you this morning that we will not leave the book of Proverbs in order to examine a lot of these principles. Proverbs, the 15th chapter and the 8th verse tells us, The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. Now we read about a sacrifice in the first half of this verse, but notice the second half of the verse does not speak anything about a sacrifice. We read that the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. And if we follow that out to its end, we would conclude, well, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. So therefore, the sacrifice of the upright man must be a good thing to the Lord. Now that's true, but we, first we read this uh, sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination, but then we read the prayer of the upright is a delight to the Lord. Is his delight is a delight to the Lord. 
So what does that tell us? It's not about what we offer to the Lord, but it's about the attitude in which we do it. That's the first pillar that we read about. Remember, it's interesting to note. Think about this. The massive buildings that we see constructed across the world are not just constructed based on a set of blueprints. If you go read in history, these elements that we're about to read about went into the thought process that an architect would have applied in order to construct many of these buildings. What about the element of truth? We read a lot about truth in Scripture. Buy the truth and sell it not. Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 23. Truth is an element that we need in order to pursue wisdom. I know we're moving through these quickly. Do not feel like you have to turn with me to these. What about power? Power is something we read about in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 27. We read, withhold not good from them to whom it is due when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. That's another element that we have to achieve when we're seeking wisdom. In seeking wisdom, we have to achieve what what we said earlier. Sacrifice, truth, and power. When we have the power, the ability to do something good, we ought not to withhold from doing that. That was something that um, my mother tried to drill in my head from a very young age. And she applied it in this way. Whenever you have a responsibility to accomplish, and you can go the extra mile in performing that responsibility, you ought to do that when you have the time. That serves many people well, when whether it's in applying a moral principle or whether it's going out in the world. Because not many people want to take the extra step and whatever it may be. Not many people want to go the extra mile. Jesus applies that principle. He tells His disciples, go the extra mile. Because the law was this at the time. The Romans occupied, were occupying the land of Israel. And it was martial law that if a Roman soldier passed an Israelite, he could command them to carry his pack for a mile. But Jesus said, when you're commanded to do this, I want you to go another mile. Don't just stick with the one mile that you're supposed to accomplish. Because it was a slap in the face of an Israelite when a Roman said, carry my pack or I had the legal and martial authority to kill you right here on this road. Carry my pack for a mile. So Jesus looks at that and He says, no, I don't want you to go one mile. I know it's humiliating. I know you have to lay your pride to the side. I know it's oftentimes inconvenient, but I want you to go the extra mile because that needs to be a characteristic of my disciples. And we're still learning about this in Proverbs when we read, withhold not good from them to which it is due when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. That's another principle of pursuing wisdom is going the extra mile. Now, what's, what's another element that we read about? We read about beauty. We talked about uh, Proverbs chapter 31 just a few minutes ago. And in that chapter, you can turn with me there, Proverbs chapter 31 in verse 30. We read about the view that we ought to have towards beauty, whatever form it may be in. Proverbs chapter 31 and verse 30, we read, Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Now, if we only applied this to ladies, 
we men can step back, we men and guys can step back and say, well, this doesn't apply. But what if we applied in terms of wisdom being the woman personified in this chapter? We begin to understand that not only should we read this chapter and see it as, well, this is what a virtuous woman ought to act like. This is what, when we see someone who is acting this way, we can praise them for having been a virtuous person. We can look at this and realize in the pursuit of wisdom, we have to understand that beauty is a very vain thing. When we are going about pursuing whatever it may be in this world, we will be provided with a lot of alternatives to wisdom. I'll say today that I'm speaking to myself more than any of you all in this. A phone can be an alternative to wisdom. I have been convinced into thinking that I have the power of the world at my fingertips simply because I have access to Google. You can find anything, just about anything you want to, whether good or bad, in some of the search engines that have been conjured up by man in this world. But that is not wisdom. The appeal that we find in that and the power that we find in having that at our fingertips is not the wisdom of the Lord. Now, there's some good things there. There's some good things that we can access through technology. But the beauty and the power that we find by that is not the ultimate goal. Beauty fades. It does not matter if it's the beauty of a person. It does not matter if it's the beauty of nature. It does not matter if it's the beauty of a piece of architecture. That fades just like everything in the world fades. But the true beauty of wisdom does not fade. It rings true through every age. It rings true across time. And it will ring true through all eternity when the true personification of wisdom, Jesus Christ Himself, comes to take His children home to dwell with Him for eternity. That wisdom will endure forever. And as we read about that, we can continue to go on and look at some of these historical principles that have been applied in architecture. And we can read about life. What monuments do we have dedicated to life? We talked, said, mentioned the U.S. Marine Corps Monument. That's dedicated to the, the lives of men who gave up their own lives for the freedom of this country. That's a monument dedicated to life. Wisdom is something that provides us with life. Proverbs, the uh, third chapter, we'll get in the first verse, which ties into our next point. My son, forget not my law. But let thine heart keep my commandments. Note, he doesn't say let, let thy feet keep my commandments. Let thy hands keep my commandments. That's how we do things, right? It's with our feet. We walk places. We do things with our hands. He doesn't say let thy mind keep my commandments even. In this verse, he does not. He says let thine heart keep my commandments. That is to say that our obedience should go far beyond simply what our hands do and where our feet takes us, and what our mind tells us. We notice in Psalm Psalm 53, we read, The fool has said, what, in his mind? In his feet? With his hands? No, in his heart, that there is no God. We also read in Scripture that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. When we examine wisdom, we ought to let wisdom permeate us down to our very heart. Our actions stem from the heart. The basis of all our actions should be wisdom and the instruction of the Holy Spirit. And we go on to read in verse 2. For length of days, this is life, and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. 
so shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. What does wisdom provide us with? Well, the wisdom, number one, helps us to understand that we ought to obey the laws of the land. I, I submit to you this morning, if, if you have an inclination to go and disobey every single law of the land that is proclaimed as law in the United States of America, you will not have a life very long. Right. Whether that me- means you are condemned to death or whether that means you are placed in a, a facility that will lock you inside a certain space, you're condemned to a life of, of, of solitude in that. That's a way by which we will lose our life. And there's another way which we could lose our life in this. Um, my son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. That is a, that is a lifestyle. Forgetting not the law, letting, finding and storing wisdom in our heart, that is a lifestyle. And that provides us with length of days and wisdom and a long life and wisdom and peace and wisdom. And all these things will be added to us. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. This lets us know, indicates to us the permanence that wisdom should have in our lives. Whether it's bound about your neck, whether it's written on the table of our heart, that wisdom should always be present in whatever we set our hands to. Now that wisdom is also written in the heart of every born-again child of God by the Spirit of God. When the Spirit of God comes to that child at the time appointed by the, Lord, by the Lord and quickens that child of God, the wisdom of God is written in their heart. We read that throughout the New Testament on multiple occasions. In Romans chapter 2, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, we read that there is a law, that there is a wisdom written in the heart of born-again children of God. And that wisdom, when we seek it out and we delve into that wisdom and we try to read the Word of God, that wisdom can direct us better than anything that the world has to offer. And if you think that that is not just a principle, that is not something so spiritual that no one can begin to understand it. I think that we've all felt that in one point or the other. We've all felt the condemnation of the Spirit. We've all felt the guidance of the Spirit of God. I'll admit to you all this morning, being, being very straightforward, that probably the way that I learn, have to learn the most in speaking to you all which, I, which is by facing sometimes the condemnation of the Spirit of God and things that I have said and understanding that I should have said that in a more loving way. I should have studied that a little bit more so that I could have presented it in more of a clear way. I should have addressed that individual differently because in the back of the mind, the whole back of my mind, the whole time that I was speaking, I was thinking about when I lost my temper the day before. That's the law of God sometimes coming down upon me. And it's a blessing. But it's, and, we, and in following this, we will find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Now, in following the commandments of the Lord, we understand that there is a blessing in that from the Lord. We read in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. When we walk after the Spirit of God, I believe God approves of that. That has nothing to do with our salvation. It has nothing to do with our eternal salvation. But there is a direct element in which the Lord approves of things which we do here in this world. 
I don't think there's anything wrong with acknowledging that. Because, the, because that blessing of feeling the Lord's approbation and approval upon something that we do is one of the greatest feelings of love that we can ever experience here in this earth. And also, when we seek out the laws of wisdom, we also find favor in the eyes of man. As we said before, part of wisdom is obeying the laws of our country. We are told to do that in Scripture. Obey the laws of the land. Respect the authorities that have been put over this. And when we do that, we, I assure you, for the most part, as long as justice is being enacted, we will find the favor of man in doing so. The way not to enact the favor of man is to go about ignoring the commandments that we have, we have been, the laws that we have been given in this world, going about harming other people. That does not bring the favor of man. But it's a double-edged sword. When we pursue the wisdom of the Lord, the Lord approves of that. When we're trying to do that to the best of our ability. When we obey the laws of the land, man also appreciates that. Man also rewards that in a way. Now, finally, we've spoken of all of these elements that went into construction during the time of Solomon. These seven, these seven elements that would have gone into construction of a building that you can go read articles about this, essays about this, how all these seven elements would have gone into the construction of a building in the days of Solomon and up toward the 14th century. These, as we build, as we watch wisdom build her house, as we try to build our houses, I encourage you to remember these seven foundational pillars that are necessary for the construction of a building that's honoring to the Lord. Thank you for your time.